Are you ready? We will start. And welcome to Free to Fail podcast with me, Alex. And today we are joined by uh, my students named, well, you can introduce yourself. Lena, yeah. Thea and Celine. Hey, welcome. <laughs> so Celine, you, this is your first time. Yes. Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to sit down and have a talk. Thank you for those who listened to the first podcast. I, I hope you liked it. Obviously, Lena and Taya are back now, and we're going to talk a little Hi. bit more about a few things. Um, I forgot my phone. Oh, my phone's over there. It doesn't matter. So we'll start. Sh shall we start with the ghost story? Yes. Yeah. We okay. might as well get it over and done with, yeah. and then we can talk about something happier yeah. afterwards. Yes. Good idea. Okay. Right. Where's... Okay, so I have I have two stories. I'm going to tell you one that happened to me while I was a dancer, while I was working, and then I'll tell you very briefly um, about the situation I was in when I took these pictures. Now, just a disclaimer to anyone who's listening: I do not believe in ghosts. I do not believe in any mumbo jumbo. I do not believe they're the dead that are coming back to haunt us. I think if Obviously, I could be wrong, but if that is the case, I think that's great. I think, you know, if I die, it'd be nice to come and haunt people and have a laugh and play pranks and tricks and all this lot. But I do not think that's it. In short, my theory is I believe um, uh, echoes in time, we'll say, where everything could be happening at once. There could be parallel universes. You've heard of the many worlds theory. Have you heard of the many worlds theory? That yes. There's another Teo in here, and et cetera. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we don't quite know what role those have or what influences these other worlds, if they are parallel universes or time, what influences they have in the here and now. So I don't think people are lying if people have experienced ghosts. I don't think that... Uh, I'm not calling you a liar. And if you want to believe it's the dead and that brings you peace, then great. I don't pretend I know all the answers. But I'm just saying as a disclaimer, before I get into what happened to me, uh, I don't believe in it. I think that it's uh, a glimpse in the matrix, should we say. <laughs> so I was 18 and I was on tour uh, with a musical theater company. And we performed in this theatre called Theatre Royale in Margate, which is a small town on the coast of England. And the theatres in England, they're very old. So it's very common to hear ghost stories and things that happen because we have buildings that, you know, are 500 years old, st still standing. So we're in this theatre, but for the first time, we had to say hello to this ghost. So we all got into the theater, first day of rehearsing, and there's a queue. And I'm like, what are we queuing up for? And they said, oh, well, the theater manager, it's like a, it's a routine. You have to say hello to Auntie Mary. And Auntie Mary was a patron of the theater, and she died probably 20 years before this happened. And she had her wall, sorry, she had a picture on the wall and uh, it was stage right of the theater. And we all had to queue up and say, hello, Auntie Mary. Thank you for having me. And that was it. And there was a red brick that was on the wall. And that was where her ashes were buried. So that was weird. But anyway, so we did that. We said hello. And then we continued with our rehearsal. And then the stage manager went on to tell us about this other ghost who's a bit more cheeky. And her name is Sarah Thorne. And she was an actress in the 17th century, a uh, long time ago. And she was apparently killed. Whether she fell or murdered, I don't know. But she fell from the upper dress circle. So for those who don't know the theatre layout, you have the stalls, which are the seats right at the bottom, ground level. And then you have the circle, which is like one up. So like Volker's Husa here has a circle. And then the upper dress circle is like another tier. Okay, so it's like three tiers, like a stadium. So she apparently fell from the upper tier in this theatre and she died and she likes to watch the performances so sometimes you, 
people have mentioned that they'll see her as they're performing right on the upper dress circle because they don't open that to the public anymore because it's a very, very old theatre. That being said, when me and my friend Dan, I was 18, okay, when me and my friend Dan heard about this, we thought this is a good opportunity to start pulling some pranks, you know, to start scaring (laughs) some people. So we had this idea that we would go up to the dress circle. It's not the upper dress circle, but the dress circle. And it was really dark as theatres are when you're rehearsing. And I told Dan to put a white T-shirt over his head and to go far across the other side. And I will bring some people up. And then when we're up here looking around, I just want you to peek your head up. So you get this like flash of white. Okay. And he was, he was really up for it. He was like, yeah, 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 let's do this. So I started bringing a couple of people up. And then they saw Dan as on cue stand up doing this like that okay (laughs) and they bought it like i thought there's no way they're gonna buy this it just looks like dan in a t-shirt with the head of his t-shirt but they got really freaked out and they ran downstairs and they told more people and before you knew it we had like the whole cast come up (laughs) and they're saying alex alex where did you see this ghost and i'm trying to not laugh and i'm like okay okay, look he's over there and again as clockwork dan stood up and they all freaked out and they all went running down the stairs and i started to feel bad i was like this isn't fun anymore you know not when you've got the whole crew up there so i decided to grab a couple of people i had a few friends and i was like oh look come with me it's just dan we're just playing around i'll show you it's just him in a t-shirt So I had these three girls that came up with me and we walked across to the other side of the dress circle and we could not see Dan. He was nowhere. And I was calling his name over and over again. And I just thought he he must have gone back downstairs through the other side because he definitely didn't pass us on our side. So he must have gone through the door and et cetera, down, down the stairs. So we went through this door. And we saw where the stairs were, but that was a fire exit and it was locked. So I was like, well, he couldn't have gone through here. And the only other place was this other door, kind of adjacent to the hallway on the other side. And it was a really, really short door. And we thought, okay, so we're going to go through that. So we opened that door to see if that led anywhere. It's our first time in the theatre. And we entered this room that's probably one of the oldest rooms I've ever been in. It's, it seems it's been untouched for about 200 years. No one's really been in there. It had a really eerie feel to it. And there was no windows. The only light was coming from the open door. And there was this big chandelier hanging from this low ceiling. So I'm six foot tall. And I, you know, I basically had like a centimeter or two, you know, between my head and the ceiling. So that shows you how short it was. And it had this big chandelier. So we moved past the chandelier and all the walls and the ceiling were covered in this really old wallpaper. So we thought, this is a bit weird. And we started looking at the far wall. And then the wall started to do like a mirage, you know, when it's like a hot day and you kind of look on the street and it has the lights kind of flowing and moving. It started to do this. So I'm transit, you know, I'm just in a trance and I'm just looking at this wall. And then all of a sudden, these colors started to blend and merge. And then the wall came out and hit us. And there were four of us, so me and three of these girls. And we all fell back at the same time. And I turned to them. And I said, did you just see that? And they were like, did the wall just hit you? And I was like, oh, shit. So then we get out of that room. So we go out the room, back through the door where the dress circle is. And as we're running across to try to get down the stairs where everyone else went... Um, there was a girl on stage who was doing her mic check and she just started saying go away go away go away go away go away go away like over and over and over again and we're hearing this like echoing and we're like what the hell is going on and she said this for about 10 seconds and then she fainted so we rushed down (laughs) we get onto the stage the director and other people there around her they're picking her up seeing if she's okay and she is clear as daylight said that that was not her that she had this um she was like possessed and she had had it in her family where she had mentioned that her mother or grandmother used to be like a medium where they used to embody a spirit and talk about that now i don't believe in mediums but that's for another story but anyway she was really really freaked out so that happened and the doctor said right i think maybe we need to call this rehearsal 
you know, off. I think we need to come again tomorrow. And as he said this, the assistant director, she was pushed down the stairs. <laughs> and she broke her ankle. So she, yeah. And this, this was all like one after the other. So when that happened, the director started to freak out and was like, no, we're definitely finishing now. Get your belongings. Let's leave. We'll discuss it. And then we'll come back tomorrow. So everyone's gathering their things in a panic. What's going on? And I'm there thinking, where the hell is Dan? You know, where's this kind of T-shirt? So I'm looking around and have no idea. And then as I look up into the upper circle, not the upper circle, but the dress circle, the middle tier, I see Dan with his white T-shirt over his head in the place that we just were going <laughs> like this. And I'm like, Dan, get your ass down here. What the hell are you doing? So he came down and I said, did you not see us? We were looking for you. Where the hell did you go? And he was like, I was just here. I was like, Dan, you were not here. There were four of us looking for you. Did you hear what happened to this girl? Did you hear the whole go away thing? He was like, no, no, I didn't see anything. I'm just trying to freak people out. So he was oblivious of everything. But the other 59 people in the crew witnessed this, yeah, bizarre story. So th that was weird. But the surreal thing is a year later, uh, I was assistant director for this show. And I had to go back to the same theater. And I remember all of these shenanigans that happened and the show being, yeah, delayed because of this ghost. And I was there and it was a different cast. And I thought, right, well, I'm going to behave this time. <laughs> so I sat down and literally within, within five minutes of being there, I started to get really itchy and I had no idea what was going on. I just couldn't stop itching my arms and my body. So I went into the dressing room and I took my shirt off and I just saw that I had all these red spots everywhere, all over my body. And I had no idea what it was. And the director said, oh, you should go to hospital. So I went to hospital, ended up, they said it was measles, which I've already had before. And it's very, very rare to get measles twice. It's like chickenpox. You know, you have it when you're young, but then once you've had it, you don't have it anymore. So I'm like, why do I have this? And he says he has no idea. But that's what it is. Gave me medication and I had to stay at home or in the hotel room for about three days, which was as long as we were in the theatre. So maybe that was her way of saying that I wasn't welcome. I don't know. <laughs> but again, I don't believe she gave me measles. I don't believe it's a ghost. I think it's more about different energy and stuff. Yeah. So that was a bizarre experience. I've, I've had others, but I'm like I've had a really, really bizarre dream. Do you want me to tell you about my dream? No? Yeah. 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 This is bizarre to me because you normally when you dream you don't rem you may remember them but then you forget about them. I had this dream 18 years ago and I still remember it as clear as day. I went through a stage where I wanted to learn more about religion. Now I'm not a religious person. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm against anyone who's religious if they want to believe in that great. As long as you don't do harm to others do what you want. But that being said, I went through a stage where I kind of wanted to learn a bit about it. And there was a guy who lived next to me who was, um, I'll, try, I'll keep him confidential, but there's a guy who lived next to me and he, uh, he was from somewhere in Africa and he was a, a very bad person in his past. This is what he told me. And he killed someone and he had this kind of, um, strange experience where he beat someone up and they ended up dying and he couldn't understand why this person didn't retaliate didn't hit back and when he went to go visit him in hospital he was told by the person he beat up that uh, he didn't fight back because he was religious so he didn't believe in fighting and he ended up dying now his dad was chief of police in this city so he managed to get away but he had to leave the country so that's why he was in England at the time. So his story goes. So he had this uh, really strange thing happen to him and he wanted to get closer to God. So when I met him, he was, you know, seven years in this church, completely different person. You would never think that he was, you know, a bad person at all. So I found that quite interesting. So I kind of thought, well, I want to learn a bit more about this. So during that time, I had this dream. And I'll tell you the dream. So I was about to walk into a nightclub. This was in my dream. And you enter the nightclub 
and you go there are these stairs down to the right and remember i had this dream 18 years ago you walk down these stairs into the right and then you get into this like cloak area where you can put your coats and jackets and then that veers off to the left and there's a big square room with a stage in the middle and it had these like poles in each corner kind of like i suppose pole dancing pole, poles but anyway there were poles and it was a nightclub and people who were in there were dancing and i was there and then suddenly that i heard this really really loud scream and i had no idea what it was but people in the nightclub started to turn into like zombies okay where they started eating each other and those who'd be bitten would then become infected and they would start eating the others so i'm like rushing around basically trying to figure out what to do so i run out and then i had this thought like there are still innocent people in there who are being killed so i thought right i'm gonna have to go back down so i went back down past the cloakroom into the room and i'm just trying to get as many people out as i can and then it comes to a point where i'm the only one left in this room and there are 50 plus zombies all after me so i step up on this stage and i'm trying to climb up one of these poles as they, they're reaching me and then there's this huge light that shines from the ceiling and it shines on me and it basically picks me up like you know you see like ufos they just you know, yeah. they levitate and it picks me up and there was this this being there and this being was telling me what would you do if i wasn't there would you would you still resist would you fight for good or would you join them would you give up and before i had the chance to answer i was back outside the nightclub and i had this really weird deja vu within my dream and i was thinking i've been here before what the hell was all that and my friends were saying come on let's go and i was like i don't feel good about this so anyway so we went down the stairs past the cloakroom into the dance into the yeah into the club everyone was dancing and then again like clockwork we hear a loud scream i know exactly what's happening now so i'm like okay we need to get people out get people out get people out blah 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 rush them all out and then again i'm the last person in the room so i start trying to fight these zombies off i climb up this pole i think this light's going to come and save me and it doesn't and then all these zombies are you know in their typical way saying join us join us but no one was there to help me. And I had this choice that either I was going to join them or I was going to keep on fighting. And I kept on fighting. But I died. But at least I didn't join them. And then I woke up and I remember waking up like in tears. And I couldn't understand what had just happened to me. And the bizarre thing was something quite important that I missed. When I was levitating when i was took up into this light i was shown images which uh the the strange thing is is some of these images have come to pass so some of these images I, i've seen i saw four images and three of them happened in my life and this was 18 years ago yeah and one of them i'll tell you what one of them is i'm not going to go but one of them was snowy mountains so I had no idea, 18, what, what that means. I had no idea. But I remember these four images as clear. Three of them happened. So I, I haven't even told my partner what the fourth one is or anything like that because I don't kind of want to tempt fate. Now, I don't, again, I don't necessarily... I'm not saying that, oh, I was contacted by God. I'm not saying that any of this. I'm saying I had this weird dream and and make of it as you will. What I take from it is I kind of take it, as I mentioned earlier before the story, that I was trying to look into religion. And I think maybe I had this strange, bizarre dream about that. And maybe it's all kind of linked. And yes, I was shown these images. You could have shown me an image of a child and I have no idea. And then 18 years later, I've had a kid and I think, oh, maybe that was that image. But it may not have been. I'm just trying to like connect these mm -hmm. dots. So I, I don't want you to think that, oh, I've seen these glimpses into the future. It's strange. I'll give you that. But I'm not jumped to the conclusion that uh, it was God or it was aliens. Have you ever had any dreams like that or any, well, not like that, but any dreams that stuck with you? No, I can't no. remember my dreams. <laughs> no. But maybe that's a good thing. Or you won't be, you know, if you do remember, maybe in 18 years time, you'll be starting your own podcast and I had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there's that. But anyway, last thing on the topic, I'll get to you about these ghost pics. Okay. Yeah. Now I did think that I was going to put these ghost pics on Facebook because I want you all to see it then. But I've had a slight change of heart because I also think I have a responsibility over them that I don't want people to get unnecessarily scared or freaked out. I think it's important you hear the story. I think it's important you also understand that, again, I don't believe in ghosts, even though this stuff has happened. And I feel if I have responsibility of these pictures, then I should use that wisely. And I don't want to post them and someone to look at them, get freaked out, start thinking, oh, my God, ghosts are real and they're at home alone. That's not the point of this. So if you want to see them and you see me, you can ask and, you know, we can have a talk about it. But I think it's uh, unresponsible of me if I just put them out into the open. But I'll happily show you. So I'll set the scene. Um, well, before I set the scene, I'm going to go get my phone and I'll let you two hold. And as you're looking at the first picture, there are three pics. And I'm going to talk to you. And then when I say, okay, flick to the next picture, then you can flick to the next one and we can talk about the second one. And then when I say flick to the third and the last, you can look at that and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Because if I'm moving around show you, then the people at home won't get to hear. So give me a second. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah. So Celine and Taya have my phone now and they're looking at the first pic. So before I explain the pictures, I'll just explain where I was and what happened. Um, I did a job where I was, I used to work on a cruise ship where I was dancing and traveling the world, doing that kind of thing. And we stopped off at a place called Key West, which is an island off Florida in America. And Key West is notoriously haunted, has lots of bizarre things happen to it. They have a museum there called Ripley's, believe it or not, where they have lots of weird things and so if you get the chance to go there, I'd recommend. So there's this, um, there's a theater. Now, before it was a theater, it was actually a church. So the backstory goes like this. There was this sailor who was married and he had to go away for many years on this trip. And his wife was home alone with her children. And she felt, you know, bored and didn't know what to do. So she decided that she wanted to get closer to God and to work with the priest in the church. So that's what she did while he was away. The sailor caught ear of this and he became very jealous. So I don't know if he was seasick, probably, but he jumped to the conclusion that they were having an affair. So when he arrived back into Key West, rather than talking to her or asking her about it, he decided to take matters into his own hands and he went to the church with them in it and he locked the door and he burnt it down. Now, he didn't just burn them. He also burnt, I think, about 50 children as well. So it's the priest, his wife, and all these kids died in this horrific fire. And this happened probably about 200 years ago. Now, since then, it's become many different things. It's been a shop, it's been a theater, but whatever it's become, it's always closed down straight after because there's been lots of strange things happen. And in Key West, there's a lot of there's lots of homeless people, but you'll never see any homeless person sleep outside this building. It has this like great shelter where you think they would be. So the last thing it used to be was a movie theater. So the picture that you're looking at is a photo of me looking through a glass door, like the one we have here through the studios. Now it's quite a dirty glass door so I can see through it even though the camera doesn't show that well and the piece of white the white in the corner that's a poster okay yeah. and you can see there's like yeah. a tape line yeah. yeah so just like you imagine if you, you're looking through any door um, that's the first photo and the reason why I took it is I had this very eerie feeling when I was there that someone was looking at me and I remember being told that if you ever have this feeling and you have a camera on you you should take three or four pictures within one go, like, chick, chick, chick. and then you can look back at them. And if you see anything move or strange, because if it's just one picture, it can always be explained as like, it's just a blur. So I have that. So if you want to flick to the next picture. Okay. <laughs> so explain what you see, as you've just seen. It looks like a man. You can like see a man through the glass window. Yeah. Or what, what color is the man? Uh, 
white coat. Yeah. Oh, so you're on the third picture. No, the second. Hold up. Have you seen the red? Is it the color red? No, it's white. Never look. Okay, so stay on that picture here. You're right. You're on the second picture. So you can see there that there's something starting to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it could still be classed as as a blur. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like in split seconds of each other. So you can go to the third picture. <gasps> mm -hmm. <laughs> is it a mask? It looks like someone has a mask on. Or yeah, it's really pale. <laughs> so okay so still look at that picture and I'll, I'll explain a bit to you now remember that this isn't the original that I have on my old laptop that I still need to find my charger for so this is a photograph taken from the ones my mum had so I think what you see especially in the picture okay so you, you look at the red face and do you see that there's like a blood eye yeah yeah, yeah and it's like dripping of blood and you can see mm -hmm. his nose and his jaw or yeah. his mouth mm -hmm. okay and then you can see he's wearing like a, a very old suit like yeah. a like a mm jacket and a tie um and then do you see the child the white yeah. t-shirt oh it's a, oh yeah oh yeah 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 okay and then you can't quite see it maybe you can if you look but there's also like a face just above the white shirt that looks like it's um peeking out you can see these eyes and nose oh yeah no mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but in the originals ones that i have the clear you can see like the detailing on the tie and and the blazer and everything and i suppose that, that's the weird thing about it that it's not just like a blur it's a dressed person yeah. and um i say the fact that there was also a child there when i told you about these also children unfortunately dying as well but yeah so w what are your thoughts on the pictures explain to people um and you're sure there wasn't anyone standing behind you? <laughs> no, I'm like I was there like alone. It's a reflection. I was there alone. Okay. <laughs> Could you see these people where you were in the moment? Could you see them through the window? No, I just mm. had a feeling I was being watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool you got some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you can see, like, if you flick between the first and the third quickly, you can see how it emerges. Yeah, he's in the same spot. Lena. <laughs> By the way, for those who listen, Lena's not looking. <laughs> and that's okay. As I said, that's why I don't really want to put it on Facebook. Do you think it's something Lena should look at? No, up? maybe the first one. Well, yeah. the first one is just a picture <laughs> of a door. No, I need you, to you can see, like, this setting, like, how the door looks. <laughs> you're, you're already freaked out by the door aren't you Lena? Yeah. Okay. so then i don't think you want to look at number two and number three um, nah. no no nah. so anyway so as it goes um so there's that so i've told you what three stories now haven't i i've told you yeah. one yeah. Uh, yeah okay um so yeah so that that being said you know time is relative that's einstein's quote which basically means did I explain this a bit that time happens like we're stuck on an arrowhead, yes, we're always yeah. moving forward. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't share this space with someone else who's mm. just stuck on another timeline. Yeah. So, you know, when ghosts happen, I do have this theory that maybe you're seeing like a glimpse in the matrix, you're seeing this uh, you know, either dark energy, any kind of uh gravitational pull in a sense. Um I suppose a good way to explain it, do you know much about black holes? No, not really. Just the way he gets stretched. Yes, yeah, called spaghettified. Yeah. yeah. So in a black hole, there was. Did you see the picture that came out a few months ago of a black hole that looked basically like a, a stained coffee kind of print? No. no. Okay. So there was a picture where they they got their first photo of a black hole. Now the picture, because it kind of looks quite, um, there's like this thick light on one side and thin on the other it's because you're seeing light from behind the black hole so there's a thing called an event horizon now i want you to think of an event yeah just like that yeah so the event horizon is a point near the black hole where you'll never return 
okay? So see it like a kind of a, you know, like the tide of the sea, yes? The moment you step into the sea, you're in the sea. When you step in off the sea, yeah. So imagine like that. So in the, when the black hole, a black hole was pulling in basically all time, all matter, all energy. Now, let's say that Celine and Taya, you're over there. Yeah. You go past the Havent horizon. Now, Lena and I will see you go into the past the Havent horizon, past this line, like you're stepping into the sea. And then we'll see you disappear and we'll never see you again. But for you, when you go past that event horizon, what you will see is you will see time from, you will see us, but you will see us go away in our ship, fly away. You will see the basically the future of the universe. So you'll see all these planets colliding together, everything moving towards you. You will see the future within a split second. You'll see all of this stuff happening, like on fast forward. So that kind of explains a little bit about time. Time is relative. And then you'll be spaghettified. Yes, you'll be ripped in molecules. You'll be ripped in uh, molecules and you'll go through the other side of the black hole. Now, whether there are theories as well Einstein has about white holes, which I mentioned briefly about where maybe at the end of every black hole, it goes into a white hole where you spew out. Or maybe the Big Bang came from a white hole where all this matter is collected and it's densified to the size of a, a pin. And then it explodes into a white hole, which spews time and space. So anyway, so just a glimpse on this whole event horizon. If you were standing on the other side, you would see the future of the universe all come together in this fast forward. So that's what I kind of get the sense mean about time. Mm. Even though we experience mm. in a linear way, it doesn't necessarily mean on a un universal sense, time can has different laws, has different rules. So it's relative to where you are. So anyways, let's change the subject, shall we? <laughs> I would like to know, have you ever heard of Room 101? Okay, so Room room 101, it's a game. And it's a very popular game. It used to be a TV show. And it's where you talk about things that really annoy you, okay, and that you want to put into Room 101. And Room 101 is like, it's banished forever. It's gone. So we get rid of it. And you basically talk about what you want to get rid of, the thing that annoys you. So it could be anything. You may really not like screaming babies <laughs> you know and you want to put them into room 101 and and then we obviously decide if it deserves to go in yeah. so i guess i'll go first as i'll be the host yes i was thinking about this um not too long ago and i want you to know if you agree with me something that really i do not understand is guys who wear white trousers <laughs> <laughs> Now, unless they're going to play tennis or cricket or they're Michael Jackson impersonator, you know, <laughs> or whatever they may be, why are they wearing white trousers? Because it's like they're, it, it's kind of, there's this smugness about guys who wear white trousers. Like, look how clean my life is. You know, <laughs> I never get these trousers dirty. I'm so perfect. It's like they're a walking, you know, washing detergent advert. It's exactly it's like, how did you get those trousers so white? What washing detergent do you use? It, it's literally, I don't understand. These guys who wear these white trousers with these brown shoes and they walk around. I wish I could put them into room 101. I don't know why, but it's, who keeps their trousers that clean? Because if I owned a pair of white trousers, the moment I wore them, I would get dirt on them. And that dirt wouldn't come out. Well, I don't know what washing detergent I use, but I'm telling you, it's not going to get it out. So then I wouldn't wear those white trousers again. So the fact I see these same people walking around town in these white jeans with this smug look on their face, <laughs> like, again, like there's some kind of tennis umpire, you know, that you see sitting on the top judging going, you know, 40 love. I'm like, what are you doing? What's the point of it? So can you explain to me? Because maybe it's an age thing. Maybe I'm just past this, but... What is it with guys? Women who wear white trousers is fine, but it's something about guys. I'm like, <laughs> come on, come on. What's it? <sighs> I think if if they're baggy and you can style them, then it's okay. Yeah, but uh, but how do you keep them white? The same way women do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or of course, I, there's another thing as well. Is and I've seen this. It's guys with white trousers 
and then they're wearing a jumper over their shoulders. Oh. You know, like they're tying it around there. So you've got this real kind of, like the kind of upper class wannabe. Like the, okay, so in England, you know, we've got class systems. We have working, middle and upper class. The worst kind of class you can be is the upper middle class. So it's those people who think that they're better than middle and working class and they try to strive to be like upper class. And they're the people that have this ridiculous... 60 inch tv in a tiny living room you know i'm thinking <laughs> that shows you and they walk around in these white trousers with a jumper tied across their shoulders you know their kids are dressed the same as them they're walking around they're like some kind of h&m model advert i'm thinking <laughs> oh man it annoys me it's like nothing is that perfect no nothing is that perfect i want to slap them i want to put them in room <laughs> one i do i, I want to just throw dirt and I'm, I'm a nice person. Yeah. I would never do anything. But when I see that, it's just like, yeah. wait until you have kids because no one in ki with kids wears white trousers. It's either, it's either young people who want to show you how clean and, and, and successful they are, you know, <laughs> or it's like, or it's old people. It's, it's old people who have gone through the kids stage, you know, got grandchildren and they can walk out wearing white trousers and not worried about, I mean, do they have pets? Like if I wore white trousers, I'd have dog hair all over these white trousers. I'd be walking around looking like fucking Bigfoot or something. <laughs> so that's who I want to put into room 101. <laughs> will you put them in or will you not? You have to tell me if you think it's a good reason or not. I understand what you're saying, but it really depends. Like, as you said, on the, like, the age. Yes. So, I don't know. Okay, so you're, you're going to say we're not putting them in room 101. The people you describe, we can put in room 101. But if they can style the trousers and not get them dirty, it's fine. So how would you style them? Okay, so I've just bought some white jeans. They need to They're be baggy. Tight. Oh, okay. They need to be baggy. Not tight. No. No. Not tighty <laughs> no, white. No. 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 no, those can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just like, I don't know, a baggy shirt with color. Color. Okay. Yeah. Or like a sweatshirt. Yeah. And if we were in Hawaii, I would have no problem seeing people in white trousers. I'd be like, yeah, they're getting used to it. It's like wearing flip-flops. If I see people with flip-flops down Raymond <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> anyway, okay. I understand. Taya, are we putting them in room 101? Um, I agree that people with white skinny jeans should go. <laughs> but if they can style them, it's okay. <laughs> but if it's white skinny jeans... No. See, who makes these rules? I must have missed school this day because I never knew about, <laughs> about that you can wear white, white trousers, but there are these rules you have to follow. It's trends. Yeah. yeah. It's so trends. they might okay. go out in 10 years or okay. two. So this yeah. is what yeah. I've missed. Yeah. Okay, right. Lena. Yeah, the, the upper middle class people you talk about, they can go away. <laughs> I don't need to see them. Um, <laughs> is this like kind of better than everyone yeah, else's attitude? No, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, in, but if you can style them, but you don't need to like wear them every day. You can like wear them once a month or something. Not if yeah. you wear them every day. You or for a picture. Yeah, like yeah. not a lot of times. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're not going to put white trousers into room one hundred and one, but we're going to put upper middle class people into room one hundred and one. Yes. <laughs> And if you are a person out there that wears white trousers, please tell me what washing detergent you use <laughs> because that's what you are. You're walking, you know, washing detergent advert because I need to know how you get in that white because nothing of mine stays like that. Okay. So then, Lena, is there anything you would put into Room 101 that annoys oh. you? I don't know. I, I need to think about this. I, yeah, you can have a yeah. think. Taya, do you have anything in mind? Um, and remember, honesty is the best policy, okay? <laughs> if someone's going to be offended by your opinion, okay, then that's their problem. <laughs> you just, you be honest. Um, I think one thing that annoys me really much is when you tell a story or something you have experienced and they're trying to, they have a similar situation they have experienced they're trying to make their situation even worse than yours or 
or better than yours yeah. just to try to get over you. Yeah. Yeah. That annoys yeah. me. Yeah. Mm. That's embellishment. So it's mm. basically where Yeah, I I mean it's not embellishment. Embellishment is when you add to a story. So like when I was telling you my ghost story, I tried to tell you that as honestly as possible, but I could have changed it and said, and we heard this voice <laughs> and there was this ghost lurking behind me and she went, Ooh. I could have really embellished that story. But yeah, but with what you're talking about, um, yeah, pe these are people who crave attention. Yeah. That's why. So they're attention seekers. So th that in a nutshell, yeah, yeah. Is, is people who aren't interested in what you're saying, but they mm -hmm. want you to be interested in what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. I, I would put them in room 101. I would put them in room 101 in an instant. Because again, it's this whole, uh, you know, this this self-entitlement. It's like people out there, they deserve to, you know, to have things better than others or they deserve to have this type of uh, quality of life, you know. And I think the universe doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> you know, mm. if you've worked for what you've got, then great. But also understand it's very important to be humble. It's very, very important to be humble, to be grounded and to appreciate not just the big things, but the smaller things in life. So, yeah, self-entitled mm. people that walk around like their shit don't stink and mm. like they're better than anyone else. It's people who cut queues. That's another thing I would say. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you're queuing yeah. and there's... I nearly got in a big argument with these old people. I was in a food shop with my daughter and we just had one ice cream, okay? And we were waiting in this long queue and there were loads of trolleys in front of us. And there was this old couple who had this massive trolley and we're there for not that long, two minutes. And then another till opened and she said, oh, I've asked your gore. And the person in front of me was putting their things already on a conveyor belt. So I started to walk to the next till and they just rammed my daughter mm. out pushed their thing in front of us, started loading, completely acted like they ignored, didn't say anything to my daughter because she hurt her arm and I lost my shit. Now I lost it internally. <laughs> because I was thinking to myself, what's the right play here? Do I, do I stand up for what's right? And I talk to these people because the thing is, is when you're an English person in Norway, <laughs> yeah. I can easily turn on that kind of cockney like, you fucking what, mate? You fucking <laughs> what? You come here, son, I'll nut you. <laughs> yeah. And that just voice alone will intimidate someone and make them, you know, just not even bother. So it is a kind of, it's like, yeah, it's a little superpower in a way. But I did, I thought like, am, am I going to stand up for what is right and talk to these people and say, you have to apologize, blah, blah, blah. Or should I not build up my emotions and turn it into a scene and kind of show my daughter about self-control and realizing what's important and saying they were in the wrong. They know that. Yes, we could say something, but let's call it, you know, that kind yeah. of, it's not important. Mm -hmm. Let's fight. Let's, let's lose the war, but let's focus on the battle, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or sorry, lose the battle, but focus on the war. Got that the wrong way around. It's those people piss me off but i yeah. would put um mm. uh yeah i would put yours into room 101 lena what what are you saying for taya's case yeah i agree with her a lot yeah mm. okay celine <laughs> you've, you've forgotten <laughs> <laughs> basically people who um yeah <laughs> Who, who who always have to be better yeah, than you. Yeah, yeah. Put them in the room. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great judging panel here. Very focused on point. No, but it's so my white annoying. trousers didn't go in, but for some reason, when it's taken, yeah, I don't know. Put it in. Okay. Celine, do you have uh, something that annoys you? I mean, there's probably a lot, um, but I can't remember any now. Or like people who can't like read the room. Yeah. I, I don't understand how it's... So give me an example. What I don't have an example. I just don't understand <laughs> how someone cannot... So when you say read the room, do you mean, like, for example, the whole queuing thing, that they couldn't read the situation, that there was, uh, you know, someone who had been waiting longer for them and that they should allow them first? Or do you mean read the room in the sense of 
if everyone is say in a relaxed mood and they're all chilled that then you have one person who's full of energy and trying to get everyone to do things that obviously the majority don't want to do both both just in general people who can't leave the room yeah well my argument i suppose for that would be yeah i agree with you i think it's very important but i also think that is something that people need to learn by putting themselves in social situations so it's more of like a social intelligence thing so i'm gonna say uh depending on their age so if i met someone who was 40 you know (laughs) there's (laughs) there's this show on hbo called what we do in the shadows and it's basically like a mockumentary it's a comedy that follow these lives of vampires and it's it's a comedy and there's these vampires who have been alive for centuries and there's this one vampire who isn't a traditional vampire like sucking blood but he's an energy sucking vampire so he's a little bit like in a nutshell what you're talking about so he'll come in to a room that's say full of energy and he will bore people with his stories about car insurance or whatever and drain their energy and like feast on that and it's a very kind of smart way to like sh- reflect on people who are like that in real life who can't read the room. You're like, can you just see that what you're telling me is is killing me here? <laughs> because that's what he does. So if, and he, yeah, he's in his 40s. So I think if you're 40 and up and you can't read the room, something wrong has happened in your social life that hasn't allowed you to learn that yet. I think when you're young, you have uh, a bit more leniency with me, you know, that, okay. But yes, people 40 and up, I would put in room 101. Yeah, I understand that. It's just, it's maybe a me problem, but usually I, yeah, I can see through the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Lena, are you going to put that into room 101? Yeah. (laughs) But, But I think that when you're our age, you should have learn it already yeah that's very yeah. true probably i was too lenient on the age 40 but yeah. yeah because we've lived long enough to know and to realize some of it of course it, sometimes it, it, it's okay but like if you do it all the time every single day everywhere you go you're in room. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> you're in <laughs> taya uh i agree very much with what Lena is saying. Okay, so Celine, yours are in the room 101. <laughs> so we have Taya's who's banished, <laughs> Celine's who are banished. Lena, what annoys you? <sighs> My white trousers are still walking around, by the way, showing off. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Disappointed <laughs> they didn't go in. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Oh. People that can't understand that someone's not as smart as them if that makes sense yes it does yeah so so that they think that everyone's everyone knows everything and or everyone knows the same that they do Mm. and that they can't realize that someone just never learned that yeah i like it that you're looking at me (laughs) (laughs) i'm talking talking about the rhythm thing (laughs) (laughs) no 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 I'm I'm talking to you. You're yeah, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. I. Yeah. I, that's a very very good one. That that is. Yeah. Yeah. People mm-hmm. who yeah who 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 um have had an upbringing or an education where they put that pressure or expectation on someone else, and that's in a way is why I, I don't. I don't quite like the education system the way it is because it's designed in that way. It's designed in the way that you just have to get it and we don't have time to go over it or explain it in any other detail. Mm. And people are left behind thinking, okay, if I don't get this now, I'm never going to get it. And that's not the case. They just need to find another way of learning. Yeah. You know, or or maybe their teacher hasn't connected. That's why I always think the, the search for knowledge, the quest for knowledge is so is so much greater than just giving the answer, you know, finding things out on yourself. But when it comes to people, yeah, who who think that they they know it all and they don't understand why, and they think that everyone else also knows it all, knows it all. Yeah, you know, so that 
Do you ever find that these also, these people will also um, think less of you? Do you have things in your school where you have like maths club or science club or these kind of like social clubs like they do in America? No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel like the uh, people who are like doing really well in school or like my experience is that they often think that they are better because like uh, in school they have better grades. Yeah. And then if you compare them to not just someone who's like okay grades, but like have really, really bad grades. It's just like this, they see like this huge gap and then look down on uh, the others. Yeah. And that's, that's again, that's a reflection on them. That unfortunately, however smart they may be trivial, you know, with trivial knowledge, they may not be able to read the room. Like yeah, you were talking that's about. That's often true. Yeah. That they, they, when, when people are really smart, they don't have the same social skills. Yeah, they don't have social skills or not. Yeah. But yeah. And that's why that's what I love about diversity is that everyone's different and everybody will have their own unique ability and talent. And unfortunately, yeah, there are so many people in school who are forgotten about. Like if you're not mm. the smartest or you're not the most popular or you're not the most athletic, you're not put into these categories. You go through your whole education mm. thinking that you're nothing special, that, okay, I'm not going to be great at this like so-and-so. I'm not going to be as smart as so-and-so. So what am I going to do? And when I was talking to you earlier about this British philosopher called Alan Watts, he talks about that we've been sold a lie. And I do, I agree with him in the sense that you're always told something is coming and you're working towards it. You know, you start school and you say, oh, you've got to work towards the next year and you've got to work towards high school and you've got to work towards university. You're always being promised that all this work and effort that you're putting in, especially for those who may not be the best at school, spending all of their time and effort trying to get through, trying to get to this next stage. Yeah, it's coming, you go to university, you need to do well here to get a job. And I understand because it's, it's a very Norwegian way. It's a very Norwegian structured way that, um, you know, yeah, you have to follow this path. And there are many benefits to it. I'm, I'm not against that. But what I am against is there are many people who are forgotten and left out. And from my personal experience, I have a lot of friends who are my age who have finished university, have jobs, and because they were sold a lie, always kind of being told that, oh, things will be sorted out if you just keep trying, you keep doing it. Then when they end up getting a job and they're sat in front of a computer selling insurance and that's all they're doing with the rest of their lives, working nine till five, thinking, when is this thing happening? When is this thing going to come? And that thing is happiness, you know. And if you're one of these people that don't know what you want to do, that's perfectly fine. But rather than stressing about what you want, maybe focus on the things that you don't want, because maybe through elimination, you'll understand, OK, maybe I don't want to work with people. Maybe I want to work with animals or maybe I don't want to work on my own. I want to be social. Or I don't want to work inside. I want to be outside through the process of elimination. These things will, you know, will, will come to you and it will help you in your decision making. I hate the thought, especially the three of you, where you end up just down this, following these tracks that are laid out for you. Keep, you know, and you keep being told that, oh, you need to do this, you need to work. And then you pick a subject and you go study it. And then you find yourself after graduation, you're in a job and you think, is this it? Like, when is this, what has this all been for? Mm. And it's sad. And then you're told, oh, well, that's just life. Yeah. That's yeah. how it is. You have to deal with it. Like when we spoke on the last podcast and you were telling me about your worries of responsibilities and getting a house or the future when, when I asked you about that. You know, it's all of those things you're worried about or all these things that you've kind of been working towards. Yeah. So maybe trying to have that change in mentality rather than focusing on these materialistic things, focus on yourself, focus on what makes you happy. What, what do you enjoy? And through that, through your passions and through your enthusiasm, you will become great, whatever you are, because then you won't feel like you have to go for work every day. I'm really lucky in what I do. You know, I, I, I get to shake my ass and get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might as well be a stripper in Las Vegas, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I get to, I get educate. I care about your education. I care deeply about your future. And I don't want you to end up in this trap 
where you think that you just have to do what everyone else does because a lion does not care what the sheep think. Okay? So don't be a sheep. Don't just go with the crowd and do all this. Be the hero of your own story. If you were to write a film about the life of Taya, you know, and Taya, you were to be the main character. Be that main character. Live your life like that. Don't live your life like the bridesmaid, you know, like the... the the add-on character you know the one in the background sort of thing that just pops in every now and then you know be the hero in your own story and i wish they taught that in school more than just that i also wish they taught more philosophy from a very young age i wish they taught they asked you questions that don't necessarily have an answer because school is so focused on it's like a factory they have to put so many children in and get so many children out you know it's this just churning it. it's this big will that keeps on churning we have to keep producing all these people that help society and i think if they changed that slightly where they focused more on your mental health and they focused more on your happiness and well-being and your individuality then you're going to get people come out feeling inspired to step out into life not worried or stressed or you know and it takes time i have many friends who they graduated they have a degree in whatever electronics and then they again they have gone to sell insurance or they're working for a kitchen company as a salesman or they're they're just doing these jobs just to get by and i think what do you want to do you know when you're 80 years old in a retirement home looking back at your life because even though it seems a very long way away from you now that will happen what do you want to look back on what do you want to be proud of well, this like young ladies bringing you tea or something, yeah? You want to tell them, oh, you know, I did this and I used to do that and I... Mm. You want to be proud of your life. Mm. Don't live to work. Work to live. Mm. Yes? Your life is not work. It's like, it's because you're like with dance and music and art in general, you don't work the piano. You play the piano. Yes. Mm. The point of when you dance isn't the end. It's not like, oh, we're just doing all of this stuff to get to the end. The point of the dance is all of it. It's the enjoyment of as you flow from the beginning to the middle to the end. It's that journey. And it's the same with life. Life isn't about, oh, we're just trying to, it's coming, it's coming. You're going to finish school soon and you're going to go to university and you're going to get a job. It's not about reaching the end. It's about enjoying the journey you're on right now and trying to find the happiness in your life, the little bits. Now, I know it's easier said than done, but again, yeah, look at the piano. If everything was about reaching the end, finishing, then when you would go to see a film, you wouldn't watch the film. You'd just see the credits roll up straight away. You know, you'd get that big dong or whatever. He's died at the end and then the credits roll down. And that would be it. And that's how people live their lives. And I think they really need to have a shift in mentality. The understanding of, of the here and now is more important. You know, work on your happiness. Yes, of course, think of the future. Yes, I understand you need to... If you have a family and two kids, you're not just suddenly going to quit your job and start to learn how to play the cello. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that. But imagine if we lived in a world where, like, have you heard of universal income and that whole debate? So universal income is where, how, let's say that in 20 years time, there's technology that's able to, say, be bus drivers. So all the bus drivers, you don't need them anymore. The buses are, are robotic. They, they run automatically. And they can run 24 hours a day. They just need to be filled up. Okay, so that saves a lot of money. And let's say that you have truck drivers. All these truck drivers transporting. Okay, suddenly they, they're out of jobs. And then you have factory workers. Well, they're out of jobs. We can also get robots to do that. And it saves a company loads of money. You don't have to pay them anything. You just have to pay for them to be serviced. And then you have maybe even highbrow jobs. So you have surgeons. Well, a person can make a mistake. But if we have a robotic arm with a scalpel in this kind of laser position that you step into like a, a chamber to be operated on and suddenly it's all these nanobots or it's all these robotic, you know, AI mm. intelligence or whatever working on you, then great. Then it can just do operation after operation. More people are getting fixed. More people are being healthy. So it's not just working class jobs. It's a problem with technology. It's everywhere. 
So if there's this technology that's going to come and more people are going to be out of jobs, that's why I think people need to be creative. They're able to adapt and follow their instincts. But then there's a debate that maybe universal credit, that then everyone is entitled to this money that's being earned and saved from these big companies who used to play employees that don't earn them anymore. Let's say that then everyone gets 20,000 kroner a month. And that's yours. Every month you get that from the government. Hello. <laughs> Sorry about the interruption. Basically what happened was we lost about the last 15 minutes of the podcast due to uh, my memory card filling up. So I'm still getting used to all these technical issues when it comes to making the podcast. But I, I think I pretty much have everything sorted now. So stay with me. It will get better. Hopefully the sound quality will also improve. And I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen. All you missed was me talking about universal credit and my thoughts on that, which I'll talk about in a future episode. This is me, Alex, saying goodbye. Thank you for listening. And I'll also say bye on the behalf of Taya, Celine, and Lena. <laughs>